Good morning and a warm welcome to City on a Hill Church Online. I'm delighted that you've taken the time to be with us today. Um, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors with City on a Hill Church and I'm delighted that you've taken time to join us today. We continue this amazing series that we've been looking at about keeping heart because we know that if we lose heart, we lose everything. And today we have this incredible opportunity to look at one of the most fascinating characters in the Bible. His name is Job. This is the incredible and true story of a man's faith in God when his world falls apart. I think perhaps you will agree with me that to know Jesus is an incredible, miraculous gift of God. But when everything falls apart, will we? Can we still trust God? Let me pray and then we'll open God's word. Father God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you will inhabit this space. And that as we open your word, you, the author of this book, will speak to us, will point us to Jesus and stir faith in our hearts as we go through perhaps tough times. We ask for your grace upon us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So when everything falls apart, still trust God. That's what I want to unpack with you. And we're going to look at three things. Pray our pain, taste and see who God is, and choose faith. Pray our pain. Don't stuff it. Don't put it away, but actually pray the pain. Taste and see who God is, and then also choose faith. Before we dive into scripture, let me just set the scene um, of this incredible book and this incredible character. What do we know about Job? The Bible says in Job chapter 1, verse 1 and 3, Job was blameless, he was upright, he feared God, he shunned evil. Just think of that kind of lifestyle of integrity. And he was the greatest man among the people of the East. So this is perhaps a thousand years before Jesus. Job is good, he's godly, he's wealthy, but in his wealth he's generous, he's known, he's respected, he's a good husband, he's a great father, and life was good. But Satan is on Job's case. And in chapter one, Satan actually speaks to God. It's this incredible scene. And Satan basically says to God, Job, your servant, he loves you because you bless him. That's all. If you take away his stuff, if you stretch out your hand and strike him, he will curse you to your face. And incredibly, then, as the story unfolds, God gives permission to Satan to inflict horrendous suffering on Job. Everything, quite literally, falls apart. In quick succession, Job loses all his wealth. He loses all his possessions. He loses his entire family. And then he loses his own health. He's covered with a horrible disease 
of painful sores that cover his whole body. And what does Job do in the middle of this? When everything fell apart, though he is hurting and though he is confused, he still trusts God. So how can Job help us as we think of our own suffering and our own pain? Here's the first thing. Job teaches me to pray my pain. In Job chapter 3 to Job chapter 37, the real majority of the book, the main section, Job and his so-called friends are arguing over the reasons for Job's suffering. His friends, when you look at it, have a very simplistic and narrow theology. Job, you're suffering because you have a skeleton in your cupboard, you've sinned and you've not confessed it. Can I say that we all need to have a robust, strong, theological view of suffering. It is simplistic. It is too narrow to simply say, you're suffering because you've sinned. It's also simplistic and narrow to say, you're suffering because you lack faith. And so Job wrestles trying to get an understanding of what's happening and what God is up to. And he processes his pain before God. He prays his pain. Look at Job. He doesn't hide his pain, doesn't pretend everything's fine, doesn't hide his tears, nor does he resign himself to it saying, whatever will be, will be. No, he takes his pain, he takes his tears, and he processes them before God. He prays his tears. Job chapter 7, listen, listen to the depth, listen to the emotion. God, remember my life. It's but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. I cannot keep silent. I will speak out of the anguish of my spirit and I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Do you see what he's doing? He is praying his pain. Job 10 picks up the same kind of idea. Job says, God, I loathe my life and I will give free rein to my complaint. I will speak out of the bitterness of my soul. If only, God, I had never been born. Are not my days few and they're almost over? God, turn away from me. Leave me alone that I may have a moment's joy. He prays his pain. I, I love the book of Psalms. Um, it seems that in the book of Psalms, I discover every emotion that I experience as a follower of Jesus. And the Psalms teach me not just to pray about my emotions, but they teach me to pray my emotions, to pray my pain, to pray my hurts, to pray my disappointment, to pray my confusion. Can I be honest with us this morning? I think too many of us as followers of Jesus we are uncomfortable with our feelings, perhaps especially the feeling of sorrow and of pain. We deny it, we suppress it, we say, we'll praise God, we're not feeling sad when really we are. And what does culture tell us to do? Well, I think culture just says, vent your feelings, just dump them, just get them out. 
I think the Psalms and I think the book of Job show you and I a third way to process our emotions. That is to pray them, to pray our pain. Psalm 122, verse 5 and 6, beautiful verses I've been thinking about this week. It says this, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. It's a kind of strange kind of picture. When we think of sowing, we think of seed and we think of a plant. But this verse says, Sow tears and reap joy. You see, if a farmer has his seed in his sack and he just dumps it on the ground in one spot, there will never be a harvest. He must take the seed and he must scatter it and sow it. And here we are, sitting on a hill with all we've gone through. Here you are as a person going through this pandemic with loss, with hurt, with confusion. Much of this has led to tears, let's be honest. I know of people in church who have cried themselves to sleep in their pain and in their confusion. And Job is teaching us, don't deny your pain, don't dump it on the ground, sow your pain, sow your tears. And as we do that, the Bible promises that we will reap joy. How do we sow our tears, you might ask? Well, I think we sow our tears when we pray them to God. When we come before God and we say we're honest with him, this is how I feel, here are my tears, and I'm sowing them in your presence. Job's not sailing through life, through his pain and suffering, thinking all is fine. He's wrestling with God. He is in pain, he's in confusion, and he prays his pain to God. And yet, even in his pain, there's this kind of stubborn, resilient faith in God. I'm not letting go of God. We will have this out, you and I, and I will pray my pain to the God I still hold on to. When everything falls apart, I will still trust God and I will pray my pain. When everything falls apart, the second thing Job teaches us is this, that we should taste and see who God is. The first thing that Job shows me very, very clearly is that when I taste and see who God is, I will discover that God is wise, way much wiser than you and I. Job chapter 38 and through to 41, the conclusion of the book. Finally, God speaks. Up until that point, it was Job and his friends. And Job has been asking lots of questions, and we understand that that is a legitimate thing to do. He's contending with God. Gently and firmly, God now begins to ask Job questions. Job, you've asked me questions, now you listen. I'm going to ask you some questions. And God asks Job questions about the earth. Job, when I created the foundations of the world, were you there? Job, is that how old you are? Is that how much wisdom you have? Job, you weren't there. You have no idea how I did that. And yet you think you know better than me? 
Then God asks Job questions about the constellations, Pleiades, Orion's belt. Job, do you control them? Job, can you tell Venus the planet, come out, place yourself there? Do you know the first thing about the constellations, Job? Do you know anything about how they affect things on Earth? Job, you don't know a thing about them. I made them. I know them. I control them. Job, there are 10 billion things about running this world of which you do not know anything. And I, I know it perfectly. Job, is it not therefore presumptuous of you to assume that you can counsel me and tell me how to run my world and tell me how to run your life? So Job, tell me, God says, when everything falls apart, can you really see the connections between what I'm doing in your life and every other aspect of what's happening in your life to other people? Corrie Ten Boom, um, perhaps known to some of you, is an amazing, was an amazing woman of faith. Um, she followed God right through her life. She ended up as a follower of Jesus in the Nazi concentration camps during World War II. She lost her sister, Betsy, in those horrible conditions. And Corrie often quoted a poem which was called The Weaving. It's about a master weaver, carefully, skillfully weaving a canvas, a tapestry. And if you look at the underside of that tapestry, all you will see are loose threads and knots. You can't see the beauty of what's being created on the other side. But when you turn that canvas over, you will find a beautiful tapestry woven together. Like Job, we often get things wrong. We look at the messy side of life and don't see what God is doing on the other side, weaving it together. Here's the poem that Corey would often use. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors. He weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow and I, in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper and I, the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads were as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Taste and see that God is wise, weaving everything together. Secondly, taste and see that God is good when everything else falls apart. Um, those of you who know me well know that I have a very sweet tooth. I love maple syrup. I love Nutella. But you know that five seconds of Nutella, of maple syrup on your tongue, 
will show you how good it is far more than 10 hours of lecturing of how good it is. There is a knowledge and there is an experience of God that only comes through tasting and seeing how good God is. And Job is telling us very often the tasting of that sweetness that God is good comes through the bitterness of suffering. Tasting the sweetness that God is good often comes through the bitterness of suffering. So why is God allowing Job to be tested in such a way so that Job will taste and see that God is good in a way that he has never before tasted and seen that God is good? Job does not like his suffering. We understand that. He doesn't seek it. He doesn't understand it. But he stubbornly refuses to give up. He holds on to God and he begins to taste and see that God is good. Taste and see that God is wise. Taste and see that God is good. And lastly, as I finish, when everything else falls apart, still trust God. It means this. We have to make the choice of faith. Choose faith. Although everything is falling apart for Job, he chooses, it's his choice, to still trust God. Though he slay me, Job says in chapter 13, though God slays me, yet I will trust in him. God has in many ways turned up in Job's life in a very unexpected way. If you and I do not have a view of God that allows God to be God, that allows God to shock us, to confuse us even, then we have got a wrong view of God. Can we have the faith and choose to have the faith that says, I will let God be God. I may not understand what he's doing, but I choose still to trust him. If like Job, you choose faith, it will result in two things. Firstly, it means that you will make God look great, not yourself, but God. Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says that Job arose after the initial suffering he's gone through. He tears his robes, he shaves his head. It's a sign of lament. He falls on the ground. And what? And he worships God. It's incredible. Job still raises his hands, though his heart is broken. He's like David in Psalm 51. Oh God, my sacrifice to you is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God, you will not despise. I want us just to think for a minute about this idea from the Psalms in particular of magnifying God, of making God look great. There are at least two ways of magnifying. A microscope magnifies and a telescope magnifies. A microscope, it makes a small thing look much bigger 
than it really is. A telescope, you point it up into the sky, it makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. And when Job chooses faith, he is magnifying God. He's making his big God look as big as he really is. Our God is not a small God. He's a big God. And when we choose faith, we make our God look as big as he really is. Wow, that is an incredible testimony. That is an incredible witness. Because my friends can look on and say, yeah, you follow Jesus, but what's easy when life is good. But when life is hard, if I still choose faith, they will begin to take notice. I pray that as you choose faith, that those around you will see the reality of your faith and they too will turn to Jesus. Before I just finish up, I wanted to say something um, personal to some of you listening today. You're connecting and you may not yet be a follower of Jesus. The God of the Bible, the God of Job, my God, is a God who knows intense suffering. Jesus, out of love, chooses to go to the cross. He is punished in my place. He takes my sin. He takes my punishment so that I may be able to trust him. I'm asking you today, as we get towards the end of my sharing with you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, will today, will you trust, will you put your faith in Jesus, the God who suffers in your place and takes your sin, that you might be forgiven? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that towards the end. Choosing faith makes God look great. And choosing faith is also about developing a resilience in our heart. I love the end of the book of Job. Um, the book of Job itself is not the last chapter in Job's life. There is so much more. He lives for many, many more years. Job refuses to give up. He presses into God. He chooses faith. And it turns out that God blesses the latter part of his life even more than the beginning of his life. What might that mean as he develops resilient faith and God blesses him? What does that perhaps mean for us as a church? Well, I think God blesses Job with financial blessing, with prosperity in a sense, because he knows he can trust Job with that. Job is not into God to get stuff. He's into God full stop. And he's passed that test. And now God, out of his grace, blesses him. As we as a church, as we journey, and there's things that we've lost and things that we hope for, I can't promise you what God will give us. But here's, here's what I want to say. Perhaps, if it is God's will, he will bless us even more than he blessed us in the beginning. But he will only do that, perhaps bless us with buildings that we've never dreamt of. Perhaps he will do that when he knows that our heart is first of all for God and not for stuff. That God's name and God's glory is what we seek, not a building 
and not our name. So develop resilience and keep going through for what God has ahead for us. Thank you so much for connecting and for being here this morning. I just want to pray and then we're going to finish our time and then turn to worship. If you are a follower of Jesus, um, as we've unpacked Job today, I want you just to reflect on what God has said to you. I want you, by God's grace, to be someone who says, even when life falls apart, I will still trust God. Paul in Romans 12 verse 1 says, present your body to God as a living sacrifice. And I'm going to ask you to do that quietly as you connect with us this morning. Just close your eyes wherever you are. And as a Jesus follower, surrender to him again in your pain and in your suffering and choose to trust him. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then let me pray with you. I will be delighted to lead you in this prayer. And as I pray, I want you to take these words for yourself and make it your prayer. Pray these words sincerely in your heart. Lord God, you know my life, my struggles, my pain, my hurt. I thank you, God, that you are a God who knows what it is to suffer. You gave Jesus and it broke your heart. I thank you, God, for Jesus. I thank you that he took my sin. Today, I turn from my selfish ways. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that he is God. I surrender to him and I choose this day to follow him. Hear my prayer in Jesus' name save me. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, then there will be an email contact and that will come up on the screen. Please get in touch and allow us to journey with you as you begin your journey of faith. When everything falls apart, still trust in God. Thanks so much for listening.